You're listening to Steel Salary Cap Fantasy Football. The one and only podcast dedicated to providing analysis, advice, and entertainment for salary cap fantasy football players. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Kennedy, Farhan Hassan, and Sean McGuire. Well, gather around, everybody. It is time once again for the Steel Salary Cap Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm here with Sean McGuire. Hello. We're also joined today by the one and only Farhan Hassan. Hi, guys. Farhan, it's, uh, as always, good to have you on. I wanted to take this opportunity to congratulate you on your fantasy championship and congratulate your son on his fantasy championship. It's been a good fantasy year in the Hassan household this year. Thank you, guys. Much appreciated. Though, just before the show started, we we were looking back at some photographs, and I saw Sean in a fur coat with <laughs> a bare so... chest. and <laughs> It was a fur vest. I, I, I'm ready to give up one of my championships for my memory to come back so I could <laughs> unsee what I saw. <laughs> I just thought I would throw that out there, but I do appreciate it. It was it was a long time coming and humbled to beat a very, very competitive group. Do you have any plans for celebrating? Like, uh, you know, are you taking a tour with uh, some hardware, anything like that? Maybe he wants to borrow my vest. <laughs> so you got, my you, got, you got your championship rings, your championship trophies and belts, and we can have a championship vest. And there's a championship jacket uh, in golf. I like it. I like right. the vest. I, I still have that that fur vest. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Buried somewhere. <laughs> Today we're uh, we're gonna jump into fantasy. No, it's franchise physician part two. We had Farhan on a couple of episodes ago to diagnose how teams that maybe didn't make the playoffs can approach this off season and improve their team so that they have a shot at the title next year. So we broke or, down, or maybe they made the playoffs. Well, that's true. They may be, but, uh, but we're going to break... having a huge contention here, right? Break down how those teams can approach the off season. Um, and make, make a plan, make a plan for how to do that. We talked about three types of teams last week or last episode, sorry, last franchise physician episode. Um, and we're going to talk about four more today is the plan. Before we get into that, though, Sean, you um, at one point we were discussing topics that we could talk about on the podcast, and you brought up the idea of tanking, like what is tanking and should it be allowed? And you had some, uh, some thoughts on that before we jump in. So, yeah, so the Eagles tanked, basically, this last game, um, which basically had the effect of preventing the Giants from getting uh, in the playoffs. Uh, they, What they did was, they, if, for those of you who don't know or didn't pay attention or whatever, they they basically pulled Jalen Hurts, put in, uh, was it Nate Sudfeld, the third-string quarterback, and then made a bunch of decisions that made it basically guaranteed they weren't going to win the game against the Washington football team and uh, make uh, made the Washington football team make the playoffs and uh, the Giants not make the playoffs. And the and and so the question I had was, I see a lot, I mean, posts on the internet and whatnot all about, well, th- is it right or wrong to, to do various things that, you know, that are called tanking or people try to use the word tanking. I thought, I don't know that everybody has the same definition for that. So I, I figured it's a good good time to talk about that when we're going to be talking about some teams or some that might need to do something that I, I would call tanking, but like not in a negative way. That's interesting, Sean, because I also had a question and I was thinking, what round am I going to draft Nate Sutfeld in? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so if the NFL really doesn't care if a team tanks, um, why do people care in in uh, in a, a franchise or salary cap football league, I'm wondering. I mean, do you guys have feelings about tanking? And if so, what are they? Well, it does it does feel really wrong to like uh, if you're in a league, at least with people you know or with friends, to knowingly start a lineup 
that is not as good as you could set. Like to me, for some reason, that just feels like dishonorable or, uh, and I don't know why. I mean, I don't necessarily think that's the correct viewpoint, but that's kind of where I stand. Farhan, do you, what do you think about it? I think in a fantasy football league, the fruits for tanking are a lot more apparent perhaps because obviously the roster is, you know, depending on your league, 10 to 15 people, players. And and if you got the number one pick versus the number three pick, you can quickly turn it around. So I think the temptation is there. But I've always felt that it kind of, I think it's, it's overrated. I mean, how many times do we really see somebody getting a premier player? It's overrated to tank? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah, I mean, I've always believed that. And I mean, I, you know, for example, just in the real NFL, if we had the real draft again, I don't think that Burrow would go number one. I think Herbert would go number one, right? So, so I, mm. I, I don't know if it's necessarily worth the Eagles jumping tell, up from nine to tell six. Tell me more about that, Farhan. <laughs> I will, I, only if you can give me the fur jacket. <laughs> so The reason we're saying that is because just because uh, Sean drafted Justin Herbert and the guy who really could use Justin Herbert drafted Joe Burrow. You can say my name. <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> and that's our host. And I don't want to be kicked off the show at the moment. So I was trying to be more discreet, <laughs> but I guess the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> so I, I don't totally disagree with you, Farhan, but we do have it. I mean, I think you have to consider the fact that we have a draft order for a reason and people generally want the higher pick, right? So yes, I was able to get arguably a better quarterback with a later pick, but that player was also available to Tim when he took Burrow. So um, that's just, you know, bad luck or whatever. And so, and so is Tua, by the way. So I, I hope yeah, I no, didn't pick no, the no third best. No one wants best. to talk about Tua. No, no, <laughs> no. I think I think you got the second best. <laughs> I got. I think. I well, got no, no. The first maybe best. the third. I think I'd go with Jalen Hurts ahead of Burrow right now. But um, <laughs> he's healthy at least. Yeah. Anyway, so the uh, I digress. The thing, so, so the thing about it is is I the one thing I kind of disagree with Farhan is actually I think that the NFL teams have a lot more control than the fantasy owner. We saw that in that game where basically with play calling and whatnot, they were not trying to win that game. Whereas if you set a poor lineup, <clears throat> a suboptimal lineup, you really don't know what that guy, that suboptimal guy is going to do. You could, let's say you had Justin Herbert and, you know, Matt Ryan and you started Matt Ryan thinking, well, you know, I'm going to be more likely to lose. Well, Matt Ryan might throw for four touchdowns and 400 yards. You don't, you don't have control over that. So actually I think that tanking in the NFL is actually worse, but that's with the definition of tanking about using suboptimal players. There's other ways of defining tanking. So um, some people define tanking as trading away all of your talent. I would call that the, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars model or the New York Jets. They basically short their teams full of talent. Do you guys feel like that's tanking? If it's tanking, I feel like that's acceptable. Like I feel for me, that doesn't make you feel dirty. No, the one that makes me feel dirty is when you start a lineup, that's not your best. And, and, you know, I, like you said, you could make an argument for Matt Ryan versus I forget the other quarterback Herbert, I guess it was. Um, But, but I think there are some other examples where it just is clearly like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to lose this game and it affects me, you know, maybe 11, 10 other people in my league. Yeah. Farhan, Um, did you you think? Well, So, um, you know, they were saying something about Mike Tomlin went up to Chase Young and said, you're amazing, uh, but I don't, I don't do top five picks. I don't lose. And I thought that was, that was, that was really interesting. And that's kind of how I feel about my team. So, 
part of it is wow well no but you get the top five picks you get the top five picks anyway because you because you trade so for that's it. a better yeah. way of doing it <laughs> but yes i i think uh, so i think i, so I agree are... with tim i just on a serious note i think if you start a lineup thinking that you will lose big i think that i find offensive but i think trading yeah. away players valuable players for value seems different to me because you are getting value but it's just in the future and, right. and can we can we all agree that tanking in a negative sense we all agree that if you start an incomplete lineup you don't put out a full lineup right that that should be a no-no in every league yes. right yeah what we've solved that problem in our league um by basically having kind of um I mean, like, first of all, there's nothing, there's nothing in the NFL that is like that. There's no team that's ever like forfeited a game, you know, by not fielding a, a lineup in the NFL that, that hasn't ever happened in the history of the NFL. But we've solved that by basically having autocomplete lineups in, 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 in a situation where there is no, no, there's like a, a formula. For, so who goes, so if, if you're starting a guy in IR, you don't have a player, you automatically get a player. It's predetermined who that player is going to be. It's object, um, objectively chosen through the for, or the rule or the formula we have. Right. And yeah. so there, so there's no possibility that someone's not going to start a complete lineup. Of course you, so it's not, it's not the same thing as best ball because you don't necessarily get the best player. You get the player that the formula would go with, or you get the player that you choose one of the two, but. Well, the, the, not the player you choose, it'd be the player you chose ahead of time. You don't get yeah, to go yeah, back. Yeah. yeah. No, you right. don't get to go afterwards. But the, the thing I look at it is the reason why I brought up this whole suboptimal lineup thing is is a, a problem where there's when who decides whether somebody has done it and and how do you police that I think I find it to be a thing that is not possible to police and even though it is not honorable uh, if you can't police it and if in fact the NFL teams do it. Uh, I don't know that, um, I, I don't know what, I mean, maybe I wouldn't, if somebody was doing that all the time, maybe I would just not want to be in a league with that guy, but, or gal, but, uh, but it, it seems like an honor issue as opposed to something where I would, as a commissioner would want to step in and, and do something different. That's a really good point, Sean. Um, what I found fascinating was that the Eagles coach got on the podium, looked at everybody in the eye and said, we were trying to win the game. And I think that's that goes, and, and he said it had, repeatedly. I had Zach Ertz out there, right? right? I had Zach Ertz out there. I was trying to win I the game. I had Brandon game. Graham out there. It. I had so many vets out there, and we just wanted to get a look at this guy that we've had on our roster for four years. And, and, and uh, it, I think that was interesting. And then it was also interesting to see, obviously, we are all in Minnesota, to see the Vikings just going at it and um, winning the game against Detroit um, when they could have easily vaulted into the top 10 by losing that game and, mm, and making yeah. some plays that they could not make when we actually needed to win a game. It was painful <laughs> in a variety mm. of ways. <laughs> so well, I think a lot of teams so, don't do that, right? Houston did not do that. I mean, they took it to the wire. Um, same and then that's why it was very surprising to see a team like Philadelphia do that. Maybe it depends on whether the coach is on the hot seat and uh, who knows, I will say. So one of the, when I was thinking about this, one of the quotes that um, uh, I found was uh, in an anonymous, I'm kind of air quoting for those of you who are, uh, who are just listening. Um, general, general Andrew for the NBA basically said, Sometimes my job is to understand the value of losing. Uh, and then he basically says, you know, if you're in the middle, you, you got a couple options. Either you sneak into the playoffs and then you basically are first round fodder for one of the top teams, or you just miss the playoffs and you get a player that is, you know, a mediocre first round pick. And uh, so either way, you're just going to get stay stuck in the middle uh, and I think he said it's a recipe for disaster. So that's why they basically, you see tanking all the time in the NBA because 
they, they know you get that superstar at the top of the draft and it, it's franchise altering. And so and that's, one of, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, that's why it's probably a little bit worse for me to do this in a fantasy league is because fantasy, at least in our, the way we have it structured with our small rosters, if you get that for number one overall pick, it can be franchise changing in a hurry. Um, kind of like the NBA, you just need, you know, one or two good players um, to, to turn your team around. So I think that's why I feel, feel the way I do about it. feels dirty. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I also think this fantasy GM uh, maybe has never played fantasy football. I mean, um, <laughs> maybe if he had drafted Trent Richardson and Ryan Matthews back to back, he would feel differently. Uh, not that I'm bitter. <laughs> well, but that, that kind of brings up, I think the first topic, the first team that we were talking about with the, for the physician though, is a team that is stuck in the middle. And uh, I think we're calling that team Lucky Pierre. And uh, <laughs> you're in the middle. Uh, and uh, how do you get, no one wants to be Lucky Pierre. So how do you, how do you, uh, how do you get out of that situation, Farhan? What do you think? But you got a team year after year, you're, you're finishing right in the middle of your league. You're never really contending. You, you never get that premier player. You never get the chance to draft uh, Trent Richardson or uh, uh, Cordero or, Patterson. Or Cordero Patterson. Should we, go, should we go through all your busts, Farhan? <laughs> I think that's enough for now, don't you think? Maybe, <laughs> okay. maybe leave some for the next episode. Okay, fair. Okay. But you don't get the chance to draft those guys. So, so, uh, you know, what, what's your thought? And if you're, if you're stuck in the middle, how do you break out? Well, of that? maybe if it'd be helpful, if you can also give some example of some players, doesn't have to be specific, but what sort of a team composition are we talking about so that everybody can understand, have a sense of what we mean when we talk about stuck in the middle, like what sort of concepts are we talking about? Well, I don't know that we can name specific players because you know every league is so different but this is just a team i mean i actually we talked about my team last i'm sorry two episodes ago when we did the first franchise physician episode um as a spent shot um but i i think you maybe could also characterize it as a lucky pr team because I'm either making the playoffs in the last, you know, handful of years, five, six years, making the playoffs and losing in the playoffs, or I'm barely missing the playoffs. And so um, it's that kind of team, maybe the last five years or so, you know, you're okay. You're just, you're in the middle. You're picking, you know, five, six, seven, eight in that range in the rookie draft. So the first thing I would do is, in no particular order, but I think the first thing that you have got to do is take a step back and figure out what has happened in the last two, three years. And is the reason that that the team did not perform well due to injuries, or was it just because you have a wrong composition? This question assumes that you have the wrong or incorrect composition of players. So, you know, one of the things that I have found helpful is that I owe to one of our league mates a long time ago. And I think it, it holds true to some extent is you have to find an anchor. You have to find somebody who will provide stability at a position. A lot of times I think that's a receiver. I think sometimes it's at a quarterback and maybe you're lucky and it's a running back, but bottom line is you have to identify a player like that. So when I look at, you know, just as an example, at teams that might fit this definition, one of the common threats there likely is they do not have a anchor on their team that you could just say will transcend perhaps a bad situation on on the team that they're in. So it's somebody who's scoring consistently uh, week in and week out is basically when, when you talk about an anchor, that's what you're talking are you about. Talking, are you saying basically your, your CMCs, your Alvin Kamara's, you know? Yeah, it could be I mean, this year. It could also be a Josh Allen this year. It could also have been a yeah. Stefan Diggs this year. You know, it could have been at least initially a Dak Prescott, somebody that you can rely on. And when I saw, you know, when I, when I was working on, on this particular project and I saw the team's, one of the one of the commonalities was that I did not I was not able to identify a player like that on these teams year in year out. Yep, you don't have and like and I know that you and I we had talked about 
in our in our league, we talked about Dave's team, right? And I agree with you. There's not a player you look at and you look at and his team, the players that you look at and you think, well, those are pretty good players are are, are Gibson, uh, DeAndre Swift, Juju, um, Debo, Hawkinson. Like they're all they're all players. They're not players that people don't want, but there's there's none of them are the the Derrick Henry type player where you're going to get a, a big chunk of points. So how do you, and he's not going to have a top three pick. How, how do you get one of those players then? I think, I think you have to, at some point bite the bullet and perhaps combine a couple of prospects slash players and make the move. So for example, maybe Deandre Swift and, and uh, Antonio Gibson are not good examples because they were rookies this year. A better example on the same team is on Johnson. If you remember, he had been there for two, three years. There was significant value at some point. And at some point when a player is not producing, maybe you package that player with somebody else and you at least try to make a play for somebody who does qualify as an anchor. And I think along the way, there are multiple opportunities that all of us have. And sometimes we don't do anything because we don't want to because we think the player like a Carrion Johnson is going to become a superstar. And now that might be a DeAndre Swift, right? And that could be the case, but I think a lot of times we don't even explore going in that direction. And I think, I think that part is, you know, that aspect or that concept um, can be utilized. So for example, that same team has a Tyler Boyd as Juju Smith-Schuster. So at some point you have to analyze and think about, am I going to win when my competitors have a Derrick Henry and a Russell Wilson on one team? Have a Josh Allen and DK Metcalf on another, right? I mean, I think you have to think about it in those terms. And when you do that, I think I think what, what comes at me is, do you have this clear couple of players that are just in that Derrick Henry range and you just have to build around that. And until you do that, you're going to be mired in that, in that mediocrity, so to speak. Um, we've had, we've spent a bit of time talking about evaluating our teams to, to know where we're at. You know, it's a tendency, I think for fantasy managers to overvalue the players that they have. Do either one of you guys have a tip on just and being honest with yourself like is there any kind of a objective approach that you could recommend for people to to or resources people can look at to honestly evaluate where their team is at Sean you consistently overvalue your players so I think you can you can speak with some authority <laughs> on this why don't you go ahead no actually I wasn't going to talk about that um what I was going to talk though is this idea of a cornerstone player I, I like the idea but i really don't think it can be a running back so if you're stuck in the middle you you've got what you've got to do is you have to understand that you, you're gonna to have to go one way or another way right so if you can if you can package together some 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 spare parts and and get a player that's gonna that's gonna push your team up to the next level and you still have enough enough depth to basically field a solid overall lineup great but if basically you have kind of like these middle of the road players, you don't have the superstars and you don't have enough of those middle of the road players to, to do both things. You, you really got to go the other direction and you get it in, in it's You have to bottom out. And so I think you got, I think you have to basically get a, make some moves to get a cornerstones at quarterback, even in one in one QB league quarterback is important. Um, and, and receivers, uh, some of these longer term things and then bottom out um, and, and hit, get your running backs on your way back up again. Cause I think that that is there's, there's these days running backs are, are really only useful for about three years. And um, you know, if you have a guy like in this guy's example, if he's got Deandre Swift and, and, and Gibson, if they're not ready to be really good right away, by the time they are, those other assets on your team are are going to be, you know, um, uh, are, are going to fade away, right? So I think you have to. That's those have to be like your last pieces, I guess. And so that's why I think you got to bottom out. 
It's so, so Sean completely avoided my question for him. Do you have any tip? No, that's good analysis, Sean. But uh, still, if do you have any tips, either one of you guys, for like doing that objective analysis? Well, the, the, self, the self-evaluation part yes, of it? Yes. So here's how I have tackled it. And, and maybe that's, that's not necessarily accurate is um, what I have done is I have traded at least in our league, uh, very, very good cornerstone players. So for exa- as a, just as a frame of reference, I traded Alvin Kamara last year. And part of the reason that I'm comfortable doing that is I know what the value is and, and or at least I have a sense of what the value should be. And there's not that much of a disconnect between me and, and the other side. So I have kind of avoided that problem because most of the time that problem occurs on players that you think are ascending. So you don't want to let go. And that might be why you are, why, you know, why you might be, uh, you might be hesitant. So for example, teams that have drafted Henry Ruggs, Joe Burrow, LaVisca Chenault this year, DeAndre Swift, for example, same thing. Um, Jalen Rager, they are going to have a really tough time moving those pieces because you don't know if these players are going to ascend or they're going to just not develop perhaps. Right. And I think that's where the over-evaluation comes in or, or we make some, some, some bad judgments, you know? And so I think that's, that's one way that I have kind of almost avoided the problem. The other aspect is I'll, I'll make this, try to make this short is you bite the bullet and you just do enough transactions that just by probability alone you 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 might turn you know you might lose a couple of deals but you might win a couple of deals and so you have to be willing to let go oh. this is a little bit like your uh like the i'm going to start with a paper clip i'm going to buy a house eventually you're just going to keep on making you know make so many different swaps that eventually you know you're you're going to gain some you're going to lose some you're going to gain some you're going to lose some and then eventually if you're as long as you're uh, being persistent and aggressive about it uh you're going to um end up basically improving more than you're than you're uh i don't know what, what's the worsening i don't know what the opposite of improving <laughs> is but yeah declining regressing declining, yeah. yeah yeah declining is probably better yeah i mean look i i, I think part of it is um you know, I think we all struggle with it. I, and, and if you draft a player, if you acquired a player, there's this natural tendency to think things are going to improve. And at a certain point, um, I think it's time to move on. And if you move on prematurely, it's okay to, to, to kind of beat yourself up and then move on. Because the worst case scenario is you end up with a high pick and and you start you start from the scratch right but you were stuck in the middle anyway so you might as well might as well move yeah. speaking of moving on yes let's move on to the next type of team uh we call this one the patchy beard so it's uh <laughs> it's inconsistent this team there's some solid pieces but there's also some underdeveloped pieces uh, and we kind of looked at our teams in our league and thought maybe Sean's team. Yeah, this is my team. Fit this description. So uh, Farhan, uh, doctor, doctor, franchise Fix physician. Fix my here. team. Yeah. How do you how do you deal with the patchy beard? So a patchy beard doesn't necessarily go well with the fur coat. So one <laughs> of the things I would suggest is shave the beard right, because shave it it's lot. just not fearful, especially looking at this team. But on a on a serious note, so so just as a just as a for, for context, I think what we're talking about is a team that has has some players that qualify as anchors, right? So, for example, this team has at least for this year, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, um, Elliott, TK uh, Metcalf. So, some very very solid pieces. Um, you could argue that they're also. Uh, perhaps qualify as cornerstone players. Um, but then there's this, the, the team might be surrounded by lack of depth um, because those players are not yet developed enough to rely on. I think that's what we're talking about. Did I summarize that accurately, Sean? 
Yeah, I mean, because you you talked about Rugs and Rager, they're two two of the guys on my team, and and they're not ready for prime time yet. But so if you're so, I think again, like Tim mentioned, look at your team. If you think you can compete, option A is you you try to get some bridge players at the expense of these potential players. So what I've done is I've identified some expensive older and completely unsexy players for you guys and i want to see if you guys would agree with it so for example i like old and unsexy okay (laughs) i resemble that remark (laughs) (laughs) so you know and obviously it's a salary cap league so in our league for example there's a player deandre hopkins who is at seven million dollars he's he's sexy but he's he's pricey right but but he's seven million and and that a player like that, I mean, I wouldn't even qualify him as a bridge player, but, but I think that's my definition of somebody who is expensive, at least in our league. I think not sexy players are. And just, you know, just, just for clear, 7 million is about, it's about 30% of, of a cap in our league. Yeah. Good call. So it's, it's a fairly expensive um, salary cap perspective that, you know that, but but I think you know somebody is managing it, right? So, uh, there's a there's a owner in our league who actually reached the semifinals with that player, carrying that cost, and so Correct. I want to I want to I want to highlight that point. But players like Adam Thielen, uh, Stefan Diggs was not sexy last year, but is is considered the opposite now. Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett, Amari Cooper. At quarterback, it could be a player like Ryan Tannehill, though obviously you don't need it. But what I, I guess what I've done is, if you were to tell me, and I tried to be objective, would I rather have those players or would I have Henry Ruggs, um, perhaps Denzel Mims, Michael Pittman, LaVisca Chenault, Marquise Brown? I would tell you that I would rather have the latter I would rather take the chance on the potential of a Henry Ruggs. And that's just me. That's my personality. And my hunch is most of the people in a dynasty league have the exact same response. We want the allure of the future. And that's exactly why players like I just named, the unsexy players, are going to be available. I I want to make sure I understand this. So you're saying you would recommend maybe sacrificing some of the young, sexy um, prospects that you have for some of these older, unsexy bridge players, bridge productive players. Okay, to, pat, to, to fill in the the dead spots, the patchy, the bare spots on your patchy beard. That's the that's the uh, the marker that you, you use to fill in your uh, right, right. Go on, beard. yeah. Go go on Amazon and you know get get the gray beard for men and and patch it up right. it's not sexy you right. don't want you don't want to see anybody opening the door and getting that but but it might work out for you i, I love that an unsexy option is the solution for the patchy beard it just seems to really there's a nice synergy there <laughs> that i that i appreciate now let me let me clarify if if the rest of your team is not like the one that we have mentioned right you don't have couple of quarterbacks in the top five and you don't have Miles Sanders and Ezekiel Elliott, for example, in this case, and you don't have a Darren, you know, TK Metcalf and McLaurin, right? So I just named a very, very good starting lineup. That's that, that team can compete in a championship final. If you don't have those players, then don't do this. Then you continue on the path of betting on potential because you are trying to get to a spot where you can get those sort of players then perhaps it makes sense to to play that long game, right? So I think a lot of it depends on how are you analyzing your team. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, I was just gonna say I think we I, I didn't mention I didn't mention that when I was introducing the Patchy Beard team, but having no depth or being thin at certain uh, positions is a, also a characteristic of this team because it's patchy. Sean, you seem to be in shock because you probably no, now I, realize how you could have actually won the championship this year. And I'm, I'm right. sorry to tell you this. His Zoom feed just froze, I think, because that's what it looked like. <laughs> the way he was 
<laughs> no, I, I was actually looking at our doc and I was thinking, oh, we talked about Lucky Pierre. Uh, and then the next one is Vanilla Roma, uh, which is uh, uh, you, you, you've got essentially a team that is, there's, there's nothing special about your team. Everybody is, each individual player is, is really kind of average in every way. And, um, and, and I want to know what the difference is between, uh, between that and, and Lucky Pierre, which is more globally, this is where you end up, but you don't necessarily, you might have some pretty good players there, but Vanilla Roma was, I think, contended, I'm guessing, Tim, this is your, you named it. So I'm thinking this is, you, well, why don't you say what, what Vanilla was? Yeah, I would, that's why I was dying to jump in here. Because uh, my very first foray into fantasy football, I needed a, a name. And you know, those like little uh, pine tree shaped car fresheners that, I don't know if people still hang those in their car, but back in the day, you could get this this air freshener that you'd hang from your rear view mirror that smelled like a pine tree, or you could get one that smelled like vanilla that was called Vanilla Roma. And I was so clever that that's what I named my first uh, fantasy football team. Well, it was you and, it was and Eddie combined. Yeah, was, that's right. Eddie, who's in our uh, our franchise league here, uh, we, we ran that team together. And how did that team do? It was pretty vanilla. It was right. a, it was an appropriate name. <laughs> did, the, did the smell go away after the first drive? <laughs> that was that was a short lived. That was it lived fast and burned out hot. Right. So the concepts in this in this sort of a team is what you've got good players, but but no no great ones and so absolutely no cornerstones. And the team that we we uh, pulled out for this one basically, I can give you. Some of the players we had, it was uh, uh, quarterbacks like Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, uh, Melvin Gordon, David Montgomery, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Who else is on there? Will Fuller. And then like tight ends of all the guys that I hate, like Jimmy Graham and Hayden Hurst that Tim likes for some reason. I used to. Well, (laughs) he likes Vanilla. Yeah, so it's like that team, like every player on that roster to me is like, eh, like none of them are exciting. Although Montgomery was pretty exciting down the stretch, as we talked about last week, but um, but overall, there's nothing there that you you look at and you think, well, that that player is going to win me a championship. So what do you do with that, Tim? Am I the physician now? Yeah, I want you to be the physician. <laughs> because since you since you're good with vanilla and recognizing vanilla, I think I think you have some experience. Well, so I think what you want to do is get some good players and some special players on your team. How's that? <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think you have to be willing, like you said, for and Sean pointed out the similarities between vanilla Roma and Lucky Pierre. You have to be willing to bottom out. So you know, you've, you've got a team that's like, it's not really performing. You don't really have anything special. You have to be willing to, to really be bad for a while or give up the pieces. Like you mentioned, uh, CEH is on the team that we thought maybe fit this type. You know, you have to be willing to maybe give up a player like that and get two pieces and, you know, hope that one or both of them pan out. And then you're, you know, that, that much better. You've picked up an extra piece that way. Yes. See, for me, I look at that team and all those players I named have value, depending on what the salary is, but presuming the salary is reasonable. But your number one and slash number two running back might be a number three on a, a running back on a contending team. I, I don't, and I'll just put this out there right now. For me, Clyde is, um, I think he's going to be okay, but I don't think he's going to be like the world beater that everybody thought he was going to be because that offense is built around Mahomes, right? So, so, but there's a lot of hype for him. So I think when you have a team with everybody is basically about, about even you, you can th- toss all your players out there and then you can just sell the ones that you, that people are, are hot on, because I don't know really what the differences between these individual players are, but maybe somebody else in the league is a little higher on a, a guy like Edward Zolaire thinks that he's a little sexier and maybe you can get some, some better return and get acquired draft picks. I would be trying to acquire draft picks if I was this team. Yeah. And that's just, maybe this is an overall strategy, but it, it's good to pay attention to 
what other managers in your league are saying and doing. Like, I think both of you guys are good at having hunches on, okay, so-and-so likes this guy and I can shop my player to this guy and he's probably going to pay, or she's probably going to pay more than anybody else in the league. Um, so I think that's also something that maybe people don't necessarily naturally think of, but it's a good strategy to just know who likes whom in the NFL. It's, it's, it's like, it's like a grade school, like who, yeah, you want to know who likes whom it's the same thing. Yeah. I, that's, <laughs> you mean yeah. like on the playground, Sean? Is that yeah, it's like on the playground. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I do think that, I mean, I think there is a tendency to just set it and forget it, but you're not making a turkey. You're, I think that's, well, you that's might the be, problem. You might be making a turkey. You might be making a turkey. <laughs> right. It's gonna. It's. I mean, by the time it's done, it, it's not even gonna smell like vanilla, right? It's gonna be really rotten and bad. So I think that's why you've got to really. Um, I, I think Tim, your point of the analysis piece is so important. Is you know a, a really. And frankly, I don't know if I spend a lot of time doing it. I always think, oh yeah, my team is great. But I think really thinking through what what sort of a team do you have? What sort of a composition do you have? Do you have one prime player, but the other players are not going to be ready? By the, and by the time they're ready, the prime player is gone. Just having that level of understanding of your team is so underrated. And I don't see a lot of teams doing that. And because they don't do that, the tendency is to just roll with it. And when you just roll with it, guess what? 16 weeks are over and the Turkey came out and it's not looking good. Right. And, and this, this particular team, I would be looking at the fact that, that Clyde still has a, a lot of heat. And I'd look at the fact that Montgomery just played out of his mind for several weeks, but I don't know that he's a different player. He's the same player. He had a bunch of of uh, soft matchups and uh, uh, Tariq Cohen was out a good chunk of the year. And I think that contributed. I'd, that That's a guy that I would move r real, real quick to, you know, to, I mean, to a team like mine, which is I could use some depth, but maybe I'm not going to have Montgomery be my number one running back. In other words, I mean, it's interesting. We have just talked about, we were talking about bridge players this team actually has some players that I think qualify as bridge players who mm -hmm. might, who might serve as number three, number four for some other team and would provide really good depth for bye weeks or for injuries. All right. Should we move on to the arrested development team? Gentlemen? Yes. Arrested right. development is uh, what we define that is, is a team. You guys all know, like there's one guy in every league that I feel like that I'll, like just wants draft picks and then and then his players start to mature and then he he trades them all off to somebody else for draft picks and he is always kind of going through that cycle and never actually realizing a, a mature team is that I think that's what we we're trying to we're, we're trying to pin down if you're that guy how do you choose when to hold on to your players. So they've got these developing players, but they never develop. Or, or, or he, gets, or he or yeah. she gets rid of them before they, they bloom, they blossom. Right. But that, but we have no people in our league who ha, are, are just, um, I will say his name, but Lance for years was always doing this thing, right. Where he was like, oh, next year, it's going to be next year. It's going to be next year and never actually, uh, does that now? I would say the commissioner's team is like that. Uh, I feel like that he is constantly having these players that are, you know, he he holds onto his picks, takes them, and then when they don't pan out, he holds onto them and then starts all over again. Yeah, it's, it's good, Sean, that you identified the commissioner because I don't think you paid your dues and he doesn't have internet as a result. So I don't think he's <laughs> listening. So I think we can go at it. So uh, Tim, say something. I, I think I interrupted you. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, it's interesting that you brought up Lance, Sean. I haven't spent a, a ton of time analyzing his team, but um, I've, he just won a championship, was it two years ago? Yeah, because he got, he got out of this m mode is what I was saying. He used to do. This is old Lance. Except, 
Uh-oh. I feel like he won his championship and then he made a bunch of trades with this team that was that just won the championship and right. he finished what was he third third to last in the league this year or something like that. Yeah. Like I I feel like maybe he didn't stop doing that. Oh, maybe he stopped he he put it on pause and then and then it's like hardwired into his DNA and he can't help himself. Yeah, he's he's like he's a guy he's a compulsive trader. I I'm just saying I feel like every league has always got the guy who who never thinks about the present is always thinking about the future and and at some point in time that person has to get off of that merry-go-round and 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 make a make an effort and maybe acquire some older players and sure. i just don't know how you decide when to do that okay and, honestly, and i think the problem sorry tim no no go ahead i think the problem with this approach is which which is okay we're going to develop players and so one of the things I noticed about, for example, our commissioner is he's very, very patient, which is a great quality to have. Um, as a commissioner. As a commissioner. <laughs> yeah, unless um, you're pace, patient to a fault. Right. So let's talk about that, right? So what 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 we see is, you know, building through the draft, making um, – waiver wire pickups but only if they are very very cheap because it's a salary league and so in return perhaps losing out on some players that went for a higher amount so the so this strategy works great if you can have a draft that nets miles sanders dk metcalf and terry mclaurin okay in one year you change your the the direction of your team because now you've acquired cheap cheap players in perhaps one go, and now you need another draft like that. And maybe next year you get lucky and you add a Kyler Murray, and then you add another one in Jonathan Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. What's the problem? If you miss, now you wait for an entire year. And if you miss another one, you wait for another year. And I think that's what, what we are defining here. And I think Lance got out of that cycle because he – he, I think, mixed and matched. And I think that's what that's what a team like this Arrested Development was mired in Arrested Development needs to do. You you have to get out of it. If you've got a couple of players now, so for example, this, this team that we're, we're talking about has Kyler Murray, has Jonathan Taylor, has a Tyler Lockett. Now I think you can take some chances and and perhaps not be that patient and and make some trades that, that, that perhaps, you know, allow you to make that next jump. Or aggressively catch up and get some veterans uh, in free agency. If your if your league has a has a robust free agency period, it, once you once you do hit on a couple of these guys, then then you probably should. I think I just think you need to be aggressive and fill out your lineup with 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 veteran free agents that you know or 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 make a trade with one of those teams that is looking for a pure rebuild and and take their their uh their david montgomery's and 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 whatnot to 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 you know a lot of this is researching your your fellow league mates and figuring out where they're at and then trying to convince them that your view on their team is more accurate than their own view of their own of their team and i think you know i I think to give credit to this strategy. So for example, you know, the same, same owner in our league, you know, got Deontay Johnson in the third round, um, you know, got Kyler Murray, got Jonathan Taylor, all through pure drafting. And um, it just takes a very long time. And your hit rate needs to be a lot stronger than what we see with teams typically in this in, in this mode. And Tim, I did like one of the things you said. It's, it's interesting because it doesn't take much to turn around a team. It takes a couple of elite players and man, it can make a huge difference. So that's, I think that's one of the things that's so exciting about fantasy football is you can make a difference very quickly if you can just, if you can just get on a good roll, so to speak. And sometimes you need some luck and sometimes you need, you, you need more proactive approach. Yeah, one of the big things I keep hearing uh, from our discussions about fixing your team or rehabbing your team is the importance of staying active um, 
And another, Farhan, I'm going way back to the beginning of the first Franchise Physician episode, and you asked us what kind of players we are. And I don't know why, I guess I was thinking about um, the podcast today, but one of the things on how I approach this, and I kind of hear this theme coming up today too, is it's tempting in a, in a franchise league, which is, you know, a, a dynasty league, at least in part, is it's tempting to always think about the future and, and to really, you know, the young guys are kings and low salary is king. And to a point that's true, but if you are going to win a championship, you probably are going to win a championship with some old, possibly expensive guys. And they're probably guys that you hustled to get. You had to you had to contact some league mates and make some trades um, if you're going to really take the trophy home. So those are just kind of some bigger themes that were kind of coming coming to light in my brain. That's a great point, Tim. Because in our league, what we saw was the the semifinalists, at least. Sorry, Sean, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and sorry, TK. But um, so one of the things we saw was that these teams were powered by a lot of players that were not rookies. You had Derek Henry and Adam Thielen fueling one team. You had... Uh, traded, and those were both traded for recently. That's right. You had another team that acquired Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. And that team was a very, very good team. Um, you had another team that was powered by Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. By no means they're spring chicken, right? So, so I think... I think that that tells me that, to your point, we do stress and emphasize a lot of youth and rookies and second-year players and the people who are ascending, but perhaps we might miss a Stefan Diggs who might be out there. And and because of that, that can change the complexion of, of your team. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Steel. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, if I haven't given our email address out for quite a while, but if you are interested in emailing us, we're at steelpod at gmail.com. You can find me at steelpod on Twitter. Yeah, and I'm at uh, steelpod, Sean. We also have a Facebook group. It's called the steelpod. Uh, lots of really good discussion there on trade talk roster management um coming up in the next few months you'll see lots of rookie evaluation talk on there uh so check that out if you get a chance uh please leave us a rating and or a review on apple podcasts to help other people find us and thank you once again for joining us we look forward to doing it again until next time bye-bye bye guys thank you for listening to another episode of Steel. Join our community on the Steel Pod Facebook group and follow us on Twitter at Steel Pod.